Welcome to Buzzin' with Bold. We're back with episode three. As they say, you decide, I decide, let's ride. Wow. We're back with our uh, our co-hosts, Mr. Simon Doherty, Chris Rockman, and our producers on the mic today, Danny. How we doing? Starosta. Yeah, he came out from the shadows. He's going to join us for this episode. Should be, uh, should be good. Lives in the rafters, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it's a little bright in here, boys. Uh, we got a great episode today. Um, we're going to inter- interview the University of Calgary men's hockey coach, Mark Howell. They just came off an unbelievable uh, Canada West final series against U of A. And we're going to talk to him about his journey this season in particular. You know, what makes a great teammate. Uh, some great stuff from Mark. We're also going to talk about the spring off-season transition from your, your in-season and to uh, some certain stuff to look forward to in training. Hopefully we can give you guys some good value and good tips there. But first, let's turn it over to uh, Simon Doherty. How the hell are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I was just in Vancouver over the weekend. I shot my first round of golf. Wow. Uh, score? I, I was not taking score. Uh, so that's if 150. Me knows that it's, uh, it's a tough ride, but what I can tell you, <laughs> is I was striping the ball from the tee. Uh, my drives were unbelievable. It was just every shot after that was a complete write-off. And uh, to, if I look back, there was, uh, we, we get to the 18th hole. Uh, best drive of the day by far. But if you know me, there's a, there's a lake standing in front of the green. So I can either go left, try and, uh, try and lay up, or I can go over the green. Try to lay up put it straight in the water. Next shot, try to go onto the green over the water, straight in the water. Three balls in the water, your classic uh, Schlichter 21. Great um, drive though. Great drive. Now, I drive. just, hold on, hold on, I, hold on Ross. Okay, you go. I got so much to say. There's so many layers to that. Just very quickly, we've talked to Bubba on the first podcast. Uh, rewind the story back about three years. Simon and Alex versus our two athletes, Bubba and Zach, playing golf. Comes down to the 18th hole. I believe we have $100 on the line. Yeah, it was. Um, I hit my drive. Bubba hits his drive. We're both good. Zach sprays his. I'm like, Simon, let's go. Come on, we got a chance. Simon sprays his. Okay, now it's like basically Zach versus Simon, right? This sounds like the exact same story you just told. Anyway, we get. He gets in front of the water. He's got about a 60-yard pitch shot to the green. Lynx Ridge, if anybody knows it. I, t- I say to Simon, Simon, we need a quad out of you when we win. An eight. <laughs> right? Like, not... We can muster out an eight. Like know. he says, uh, complete D-cell on the, on the downswing, chunk into the water. <laughs> Boom. You got to re- put the ball back. Next one starts thinking about it. D cell, boom, into the water. Lo and behold, he takes an eleven, and we lose on eighteen by a stroke. Zach oh, took a man. ten. Yeah. I just about shit myself. <laughs> we get to pay these two assholes really hundred dollars. <laughs> I will say golf's not my game, but at the same time, I have a lot of fun, and I was striping the ball this past uh, this past oh, week. Good. So unbelievable. Know, what, do you got any specific? Well, uh, no, I just. 
hearing that you're striping your drives if again if anyone's golf with simon his driver is absolutely obnoxious it looks like he's got a cast iron hanging off the the tip of the thing and it sounds like he's hammering a ball with a cast iron skillet the whole 18 holes is hearing this guy connect with the ball it's unbelievable but uh, i will give it to you simon your your drives are usually your where you can hang your hat so uh, you just got to tighten up the short game a little bit there. When right? he says you stripe in the drives, though, but wow, they're going one fifty. No, no, it was going three. Three. three <laughs> oh. He's been working out. Yeah. But what I was gonna say is similar to your brother Colsey. Hopefully, oh, he's listening boy. to this. You listen to the first sentence of it, and you're like, oh, "Okay, this guy's probably decent." Look on the scorecard: one hundred and forty-six. <laughs> Told you, you shot a ninety-two, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Rox, how, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing good. You know, uh, I'm in a great spot right now. I'm looking forward to the uh, to what's ahead here at Bold. We're just finishing up our in-season this past week, uh, which was a hell of a time. Um, but, yeah, we're going to get more into it here in the podcast about, uh, you know, some things that we can offer in regards to value for kind of this interesting time in the season where we're just finishing up with our teams uh, and going into our off-season program. So I'm looking forward to that, but feeling really good. Nice. And Danny? Well, you got the, some stuff coming. Yeah, there's lots coming. But on the topic of golf, I just want to talk about the seven iron and why I love it. But I think I'll save that for another time. Um, but yeah, we got lots of things on the go. Um, obviously, we have podcasts going on. Usually, I'm behind the camera, so this is a little bit weird to be out in front. But uh, looking forward to it. Um, next week, we start spring program, and a big piece of that is going to be the ice. So um, I'll be on the ice, which is where I like to be. Um, so I'm just looking forward to it. We'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it brief for now. But just working on your game out there, hey, patrolling the blue line, dump and chase, baby, dump and chase, dump and chase. You need a specialist. How's <laughs> your face-off guy? I'm your dump and chase, <laughs> dump guy. And chase guy. And if for those know. of you, that, for those of you that don't know, Danny, uh, Danny's been with us for about three months now. But came from Quantum Speed in Edmonton. Uh, been doing power skating uh, coaching for the last 15 years. But the guy's absolutely electric. If you haven't seen him in the gym yet, you will. Um, guys, yeah, got nothing but unbelievable things to say. Um, but he's going to be getting these ice times fired up, and it's going to be humming. Yes, sir. As always, let's uh, let's jump to our seg. Get the uh, get the weird questions out of the way and see what kind of all right. Like Rock so, got her this yeah, week. I got it this week, and I think this is just how we started off today's episode. It's perfect for this, but I want to go around the horn here, and I want to hear. Um, one sport where you could step in and make an unbelievable play to win the game. Now, I want to hear the scenario. Professionally? Professionally, yes. So you're in the NBA Finals. You get the ball out past uh, uh, looking for a three-point. You're down two points, seconds to go. Is that your sport? Or are you in the MLB World Series? Bases are loaded. Uh, You're down three points, bottom of the ninth. Are you cracking a home run? Not a Something, well... Again, this is similar to what we talked about with your seg uh, last episode where, right. hey, what are you doing in front of 30,000 people? This is more along the lines, what could you uh, have a little bit of confidence in yourself to go out and do? All I'm thinking about is your brother telling you that he could play a shift in the NHL. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> I almost uh, I mean, I almost just packed up my thing and, <laughs> and just left forever. That was a, That's a pretty wild one there, Colsey, but... Uh, I'll start it off here. I thought, I mean, I've had the seg here all day, so I've been able to think a lot about this one, but uh, it's not going to be anything hockey-related, I don't think. I think that's kind of outside the rules here. If you played hockey, hockey's out of it. But I'm going to go World Cup of Soccer. What are you going to be? I'm on the line here, penalty shot. 
to win the game. I think I'm pretty confident in myself. At least I could hit the net, but I'm pretty confident I could score that goal to win the World uh, World Cup of Soccer. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Going with the world, the world what's cup. A, so what is that? I don't even know. Holy what's that shit, man! You're putting that thing like ten feet over the net. Yeah, called the Let's world be cup. This is like 150,000 yeah, watching. I don't know, pretty wild. Man, That's incredible. That, that That's like is, the whole world watching your, me. I love the confidence. I yeah. But have a you ever? Ball? I don't even. Have I don't you even ever played soccer? soccer? Uh, like I play sewer ball, but uh, <laughs> world cup of soccer. Get me on oh, the line. So. I'm gonna put one. Uh, Oh, in the rafters here, I think. That's, in, that's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, Are you playing that. the full game? No, no, I'm on the bench until yeah. I'd probably, you know, twist my ankle or something like you that. You come in hot, like 225. Coming in hot. I'm just, off just the bench. Really kicking. Get All this right. guy on the line. Who do we got next? Who wants it? <laughs> well, I'll be short. Um, Crib Olympics, maybe. Uh, no, but actually, I would say going back to the golf and the seven, the seven iron, um, PGA Tour, whatever, I don't know the proper way to say it but it's a par three there's water all around give whatever distance you want i'm still going to use my seven and depending on the distance i'm going to tee it up either an inch two inch three inch and i'm going to hit the green every single time so i'm going to birdie that hole no wow. problem we're going to hold seven you to iron. that though i need to see it oh i need to see that yeah this i mean i don't understand <laughs> it but it just happened <laughs> it's a tough question i mean I mean, it's wild. It's a wild question because not one of us could do this. No, hundred um, percent. It'd be an absolute embarrassment. <laughs> now, just a quick clarification: Is it an individual um, sport act? Okay. You're, you're, or can it be involved in a team scenario that I'm a part of the play? I think it's more like the spotlights on you type of play. So it's more of an individual individual moment, uh, balls in your hand, whatever it is, stick, club. I think it's whatever whatever speaks to you. Whatever speaks to you within this. Honestly, where my brain goes, and, and again, this is wild that I'm even saying this because i got no business in this situation, but <laughs> Simon can attest to this. If I need one point in squash, I'm pretty sure I can label the ball and put it in that back corner where it's it's impossible. If you guys have played squash, you got to go on your backhand and dig it out of the corner. I think I can put it in the corner to win the game. Um, the international squash championships? Yeah. You're playing for the... I think so. Okay. Is that what it's called? I have no idea. <laughs> We'll call it nationals. Yeah. Uh, any other sport, I think. I mean, for you to say that you're going to get a penalty kick well, no, to win I, the World <laughs> Cup. Is, well, is, I don't know if you've I'm, ever seen me shoot a basketball or I, I'm an atrocious golfer. I'm I, get just the, thinking, I get the yips on the tee so hard. I'm thinking about the NBA. Like, you'd get, I'd get murdered. The MLB, I'm throwing an absolute muffin down. I'm, I'm getting... <laughs> Or I'm standing in there and receiving 100 mile an hour. That's where I'm going with the soccer because if I'm standing in front of an MLB pitch, there's just no chance. Zero percent yeah. chance. At least in soccer, I can kind of control the variables around me a little bit. All I got to worry about is hitting the net. You know what okay, I'm saying? I can see there's that. There's no pressure in regards to players <laughs> around me. I got my little area here. Right. You know, that's I'm why set I went. Up. With the, that's why I went with the squash serve. Okay, because I, I can was, control yeah, that. There you go. <clears throat> okay. Um, any major sport, football, basketball, hockey, there's not 1% chance. Well, I'm, uh, if anybody knows me knows that uh, 
pressure isn't isn't my favorite favorite thing. But here's what I'll here's what I'll tell you. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lock up somebody in basketball. <laughs> lock them up. I'm locking them up. Deep. I've got I've got you're yes. Twelve seconds on the clock. Getting oh. the inbound pass. I'm locking them up. Hold on, though. This is because you originally. This would be the NBA final. Yeah. Game seven. Game seven, NBA final. Yeah. That means you're going against Steph Curry because you're going to go against the point guard. Steph Curry, uh, who else? Kyrie, Doncic. You might have KD on you. He plays point guard at times. You might have LeBron. Yeah, they fair. might switch to LeBron on you, <laughs> and you're going to lock him up. Well, fair point. But uh, <laughs> are you nuts? At the at the same time, I'm not. Uh, I'm trying to think of something. Something that's like relevant, but yeah, I'm gonna give my all. I'm gonna take a charge. I'm gonna take a charge. I'm gonna get my body in front of it. I'm gonna play great positioning. God bless. And lock up that right leg and hope he doesn't go anywhere. Hey, yeah. unbelievable I'll question. I'll make, I'll make a smart play. It's wild. Um, wild question. Some good stuff though. Well, yeah, just wanted to hear. I mean, it's <laughs> never gonna happen, but pretty wild what some people come up with for sure. Um, let's throw it over to our guest for episode three, Mark Hell. Born in Red Deer. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, obviously head coach of the top team in the nation this year. Uh, won coach of the year, Canada West. 14 seasons as a head coach with the Dinos. Represented Canada as a coach at the, uni- the World University Winter Games. He's a father of three, Merrick, Presley, and Nash. Uh, both Merrick and Presley are, are part of our off-season program. Grew up playing at the Royals. Um, anything I'm missing there, Mark? Uh, I think you got it covered for the uh, short term. I guess there's lots prior to that, but uh, Red Deer Center of, uh, well, I don't know about the universe, but Alberta for sure. There we go. Rox is a proud Red Deer native yeah. himself. Hey, we got to stick together. There's not a lot of us out there. <laughs> Gasoline Alley. I think yeah. that's what you guys now got, got going. Now we got Peters. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I wanted to dive in, obviously, to your, uh, to your early years as a coach, Mark. Um, first off, how did you get into coaching? What was your playing career leading up to that, and like, what led you to start being a coach? Uh, well, grew up in Red Deer, as we mentioned. Uh, played minor hockey there, played baseball. Um, was lucky enough to be on some great teams there. Uh, won Western Canadians as a bantam, uh, I guess U15 now, and then I uh, went to the national championships in baseball three times so it's just great place to grow up and then uh, from there I went to Seattle then Medicine Hat in the Western League ended up Red Deer College for a couple of years played for a guy uh, not sure if you guys would know him, Mike Babcock oh yeah and, uh, that oh, was Babs's first uh, kick of the can of coaching at Red Deer College and then how was that quickly that was great you know what uh, it probably rubbed some players the wrong way but I liked him it was pretty simple you just you work hard, uh, you'd be a good teammate, and that's all I really expected. And I competed and played hard, so it was, it was good for me. Nice. Yeah. And then from there, transferred on to the University of Alberta. I uh, was lucky enough to win a championship, uh, Canada West as well as a national championship in 92 for Billy Moores. Uh, then the next year, went back, uh, ended up hurting my back. Um, just months and months of trying to get it fixed. Uh, realized it wasn't going to get better. And then uh, the following year, I uh, got into coaching. I just I went to Bill Moores and said, well, I don't think I'm ready to walk away. I want to get involved somehow. And he hooked me up with a Bantam AAA team in Spruce Grove. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, and I would say probably within the first two or three weeks, realized I loved being on the ice, liked teaching, 
Um, so how, I, how old were you when you started that? Uh, I guess I would have been 24. Okay. Uh, right in that range, yeah, about 24. Um, and then had the opportunity to come down to Calgary uh, to finish my degree uh, at the Hockey Canada. Um, so uh, did that for six, eight months, but then also kind of got knee deep into coaching. Was around Tom Rennie, Danny Dubay, Andy Murray, George Kingston, uh, some guys you know obviously that everybody knows in the coaching circles um, and beyond. And um, you know from there, got involved with midget hockey after Calgary Buffaloes. Did midget AAA. Uh, got involved in hockey Alberta. Uh, lots of Alberta Cup stuff. U17. Uh, then was around Team Canada lots. Uh, my brother-in-law, who actually coaches with the Avs right now, Ray Bennett, was involved with uh, the women's national team in 98, so did lots of video work for them. Uh, then was fortunate enough to uh, get hired full-time by Hockey Canada and did uh, on the video coaching side. Uh, so did the World Juniors three times, Men's World Championships a couple times. And that was awesome because you just, as a young coach, now you learn about the details and the work ethic and the time you have to be putting in daily. Uh, you know, I, and I remember, I guess I'm gonna date myself, going to one of the first World Juniors would have been in Russia and taking four VCRs, 800 VHS <laughs> tapes. Uh, you know, now we have laptops and it's it's quite easy, but you know, I'd be up, you know, from, you know, the game would finish at 10, you're up till five in the morning, making sure things are ready for the coaches in the morning. And I always say to young coaches, if you can do video work for a veteran coach, it helps you. Uh, it just it, it teaches you to really break the game down, see the game differently, and, and that was valuable for me. I was, uh, as I mentioned, went to World Championship with Andy Murray, World Juniors with Claude Julian, Stan Butler was around Andy Murray, Wayne Fleming. So you just, and, and that's just some of the head coaches. There's numerous assistants as well that you just learn so much from. And uh, then from there, went on to uh, Brandon in the Western League as an assistant with uh, Kelly McCrimmon. Um, Dean Clark was a head coach. And, uh, you know, I had somebody tell me, you know, through that whole process, because I was looking at maybe a junior A job as a head coach uh, or in the Western League. And uh, uh, a couple of people said, if you have a chance to work with Kelly McCrimmon, you want to you want to work with Kelly. And uh, I asked Kelly, I said, if, if I could be involved with, meetings and trade talks and all those types of things you know I would come uh, because I wanted to learn and he says you can be part of everything you wanted and so it was awesome Kelly included me in everything and learned a lot about the game and um, you know then the business side of hockey too with trades and transactions and discipline with players at that level and you know how to run a really professional organization um, you know then from there went to junior a in Drayton Valley and uh, skipped over to the BC Hockey League uh, with the Westside Warriors uh, and then came back here in, I guess, 2009. So I've been here for a while. Wow, that's a really, uh, I didn't know that. A lot of names there. <coughs> Name? Well, that's just a really, really cool to, to hear how many steps there were to get to where you are now and how many influential people you came across uh, coaching. Because I think as a player or coach, I, or even what we do here now, the how important mentors are to the path yeah. and you're obviously not doing this by yourself and on your own so yeah that's that's really cool it's interesting now I, you know i mentor some young coaches in calgary and and it's just being around it there's so many guys that want to get the highest level as soon as possible and, yeah. and i was probably like that too and and i remember i think it was uh might have been tom rennie or george kinks one of them said uh when you have no experience you don't think it's important 
and then when you have it you realize how vital it is and you know I was young at 27 28 thinking oh I can get to the western I can go here I can go there and um, you know I think you realize real quickly that you just just keep working learning opening your ears your eyes and just paying attention to people and you know through hockey Alberta hockey Canada you know Western League all those things and, and all the people I've been around uh, and you know I think some of the most successful people in the, in the whole coaching industry anyways have always told me make sure you surround yourself with really good people and you know that what that's what led me to Brandon and then Hockey Canada and all those things that uh, you just learn and, and you can you know pay attention and I still do it you know I went to Fishu games this year there was five other coaches and it was just that was the best time is when you're sitting around having a beer and you're just you get the coaching board out and you talk face-offs or you talk about your players or talk about recruiting and you just learn kind of best practices from somebody else and you take yeah. it and, and use it yourself cool was there was there one specific coach you know I know coaching can be like a lonely uh, lonely job at times and there's a lot of pressure um, was there one coach that you could reach out to whenever you needed to or somebody that always had your back that um, in certain situations uh, you just reached out to this person and they gave you the advice that you needed? Yeah, well, probably my brother-in-law, Ray Bennett. Um, you know, he got involved with the LA Kings when Andy Murray went there and then went to St. Louis with Andy and then uh, ended up in Colorado. And uh, obviously he's always going to answer the phone. Um, but, you know, uh, then Ken Hitchcock, I was able to get in touch with him and Andy Murray uh, when he was in St. Louis. Uh, I was able to talk to him quite a bit. And Tom Rennie when he was in Edmonton or even with Hockey Canada, you know, usually, you know, they're busy. They don't answer the phone every day. But, um, you know, there was numerous guys I could call and just, if, if it was tactical, that's fine. But a lot of it was just kind of, uh, you know, how your team is playing or how to get, you know, better results or just get your team to play at a different level sometimes. So, you know, those people are always great. Yeah. Um, maybe rocks could be. We should ask rocks this question, yeah, I got, but I got one here for him. Um, but uh, for those who don't know, I played four years for Mark for UC Dino, so uh, I know a lot about his coaching style and uh, him as a person. But I kind of want to hear from you, Mark, um, you know, a little bit of personal insight of what you think your coaching style is and, and your biggest strength is as a coach. Um, you know, again, being somebody who played for you, I've heard a lot of stories about the young Mark Howell and uh, <laughs> some of the stuff that you got up to as a coach and uh, just kind of how you've developed as a coach from starting in junior A and then kind of working yeah. your ways up to the University of Calgary. Yeah, it was interesting. When I, when I left Brandon and went to Drayton Valley, you know, you're head coach in junior hockey and you're, uh, and I remember the first month there was numerous times standing on the bench going, am I doing this right? <laughs> like, you just you really question yourself and, you know, then I would go back and I'd phone Kelly or phone some other mentors and, you know, just stay with it and, uh, and eventually started to work out. And, and I don't think th there's one common theme that's never changed for me is um, making sure the players work extremely hard and they pay attention and uh, be at practice or games, be ready and be organized and, and be ready to work. Um, you know, I think <laughs> probably, you know, the young Mark Howell when I was in Drayton Valley West Side probably pushed the guys and got on them quite hard often. Um, you know, and I think even when I got to Calgary, you just, you want to learn who you are and you want to see how hard you can push your guys. And I, I think over the last, especially eight, nine years, that's changed a little bit. I'm not saying I'm softer, uh, but I probably go about it differently now. And um, you learn to listen to your players differently. You learn to listen to your assistant coaches. Um, you know, so my expectation still hasn't changed. I still demand a lot out of our guys as far as work ethic, uh, being ready to play and be, you know, be very competitive and, and bring your best effort. Uh, but, you know, I think you just find different methodologies or different ways to go about it. You try to be a little bit more personable, I think, as you get older. 
uh, you really recognize the importance of talking to your players and having good relationships with them. But, um, you know, I don't think that'll ever change as long as I coach. I expect a lot out of our guys to, to bring their absolute best effort when they get their skates on. I'm uh, just sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just curious, Mark. Is there is there one specific incident, uh, incident or experience that you remember coaching that uh, that shaped your identity as a coach or that changed your perspective? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, there's been so many. I, I think you know. I think the first time I, I was able to go to the World Juniors uh, and be with Claude Julian as the head coach. Uh, Dean Clark was one of the assistants and, and Todd McClellan was one of the assistants uh, and just watch those guys run practices and just see how detailed they were about uh, the so-called details of the game and I remember the one practice Todd ran it he was the assistant but he took over and ran that practice and just how firm he was on guys about the little details about the angles uh, about stopping on a puck about being ready for a pass being ready in, pr in practice um, you know things like that but there's been so many coaches and um, yeah and I, I just think those are the things I value is is the the fine details and being coachable and being organized on the ice and being ready to do things at a high level and so I don't know if there's one specific thing there's been lots yep. um, but I think it's always been around watching coaches be really crisp get the most other guys uh, you know watch teams that play with great structure but also uh, high energy. Uh, those are the coaches I respect that they can get their teams to do that every day. Awesome. So <clears throat> I'm going to date you a little bit on purpose <laughs> here, but 14 years is a long time. Um, when you took over the job with UFC in 2009, what kind of team and program were you walking into? And what is it, you know, what does it look like now compared to then? Yeah, it was interesting. When I took the job here in 09, I thought it was going to be a three to five years. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I thought this was kind of a, a, a step for me to go somewhere, older players, better players. You know, then went through some family things where I got divorced and separated, and, you know, I wasn't going to leave my kids, um, and my kids are everything to me. Um, yeah, and so, you know, I know some coaches, they're okay leaving their kids, and they go coach, come back in the summer. That just wasn't me. That wasn't my personality. And, uh, you know, so as a result, I stayed. Um and, you know, I think when I came here, the team had missed the playoffs. They finished last. Uh, and I remember in the interview, one of the, the players was in the interview, uh, Aaron Richards. And, you know, I asked him, I looked at him, I said, what do you guys want? Like, wh what, do you, what do you expect? And they said, we want more accountability. We want to win. And I looked at him, I said, are you sure? And he looked at me kind of like, and it was kind of, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Um, uh, but, you know, right from day one, those guys were great. I, I thought the first month or two, it was a little bit of resistance uh, where things here were fairly loose and guys went out quite a bit and they loved the city and they took advantage of it. And, uh, you know, and I spent lots of time talking to our older guys and uh, and they responded. Uh, I remember we had a meeting uh, probably end of October, middle of November. Uh, and I asked that specific question. I said, like, where do you guys want to go here? Because I'm going to push. Uh, and they wanted to win, and as a result, we made the playoffs. Um, uh, and then the next year, uh, made the league final, went to nationals. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think the program, you know, we used to practice at the Oval, play at Father Bauer, and it was just, it just felt at times unprofessional, I guess, knowing what U of A had, U of S, where they had their dressing rooms, they had everything lined up, they had great recruiting. 
Um, I knew we had to change all that, and then you know, we're fortunate enough to get into you've uh, Father David Bauer full time on uh, Hockey Canada left. So that allowed us to kind of change a little bit, but then with that was budget issues, constraints. Uh, so then we did more and more fundraising. Now we have the alumni that's doing more and more for us. So you know, over time, it's it's evolved um, to grow the program more and more, uh, more money for recruiting, more money for scholarships. So it's just it's taken time, but um, is it, is yeah, it, I, I never thought it was going to take 14 years. <laughs> is it different working for an owner in junior hockey? And now working for a university, or is it still kind of the same? It's the same. Uh, junior and university is different. Junior, you can ad adjust your roster fit quickly if you need to. You can make trades or bring guys up or, or whatever you need to. Here, you, you kind of set your roster start of the year, so you're fairly structured in that sense. There's more. Uh, I guess I got to be careful. More bureaucracy in the university system. Just you know, things move way slower uh, at this level as far as getting rule changes in or different things to go through the university it just takes longer but you know all of the athletic directors I've had have been really good you know um, other than budgets and you know they and I get it they, they got to make sure they're not uh, you know uh, losing their jobs they want to stay on budget and they, they have their demands and I have mine and uh, we've got to work together as best we can okay um, well let's let's go into the the dinos this year um, you know, I've been working with you guys as the strength coach for, I think this is my fifth year actually, um, which is kind of wild to think about. But this, you know, I, in the when we when you guys won uh, last weekend, I remember having a quick chat with you amongst the uh, 500 Bud Lights flying around. But um, you know, I, for me, this this year, from my perspective, felt different from day one. And I told you in the room that. You know, for me, it was uh, a conversation you and I had in June, I believe, of like same same thing you asked your player in 09, like, what are we trying to do here? Yeah. And, you know, how can I really be a part of something here and, and help you? And, and we had a great chat and it, for me, it just kind of set the foundation of what the, the Dinos 2022-23 team was going to be about. And it was kind of like you're in or you're out. And, and then you quickly had a, a team meeting on Zoom, and that message has kind of been consistent through the whole year. But from your perspective, what is that, what, where did this season start, and what has it kind of meant to you? Um, this season started last March. Uh, when we lost to Saskatchewan in the semis, or sorry, we beat them, then went to U of A, lost to U of A in the semis. Uh, and it was, I had a, a so-called epiphany, I guess, on the bench. And I was just watching, and I shared this with you, uh, Alex, is I was watching uh, Ryan Graham, a former player of ours. He was the one guy on our ice that could continue to work and work and work and work. Uh, big, strong guy, but is, is just his ability to have capacity to do things longer than anybody else. And, you know, in the middle of a shift, 30, you know, 25, 30 seconds, he had the ability to go win a puck and, it really struck me that, you know, I thought we were fast and dynamic, but we didn't have great conditioning. And, you know, that was kind of the message. You know, I know I talked to you and talked to our players, and we had a meeting in March uh, last year with the players. And uh, I just said, I said, this is where we're going. Uh, we have to be able to have way bigger gas tanks, more capacity to have the leg conditioning, the lung conditioning to be able to play longer than other teams. Um, you know, you're always going to have teams that have better players or faster players or more skilled players. But if you can work 
harder and longer than the other person, I, you know, I think you got a chance to be successful. And, you know, then you and I sat down, um, you know, probably in May and June, whenever it was, and you created a different budget and said, this is what I, you know, if, if this is what you want, I got to be more involved. And so I guess it was a, a jump off the bridge, feet first into the water saying, okay, we're all in and we're going to go deep. Uh, you know, we, the guys stayed here in May and June. I think there's 15 guys that stayed here went on the ice twice a week, trained with you guys two, you know, three, four times a week. Uh, you know, look at the guys that stuck around. Those guys have had unbelievable years for most, for most yeah. part. Um, it was a handful of guys that went home have had really good years as well. But, you know, we had monthly Zoom calls about conditioning, about where they were at. You know, we followed up with players monthly, uh, weekly, just to see how their conditioning was going, how their training was going. And that was the one thing I, I talked about right from day one I didn't stop was, you know, you can be strong, but you better be conditioned. You better be able to go for a long time. And, you know, then I went to the third assist, which was our alumni group, uh, asked them for more bikes. Uh, so they went and bought more spin bikes for us. And then I remember in September, we just, I said to the guys, I said, you're getting on the bikes. And, you know, you, you know, bold, you guys built some programs for us. Uh, and I know there was days in September, late September, guys were saying they were really tired. And I said, that's fine. Get on the bike and we're going to skate, we're going to bike. And, you know, I think that's allowed us to play faster than everybody in our league every game for the whole game. And there's other teams that play fast, but I think it's allowed us to play fast for a long period of time. So there was a pretty cool moment. Uh, obviously, all of us were there when you guys beat U of A in, in game three this past weekend, but uh, all the boys went lined up on the boards. <laughs> uh, this was after the whole <laughs> celebration was done. Uh, and they were just waiting for you to, you know, scream at them like over and back. Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool to watch that, you know, that was just a part of the culture and, you know, working hard was something that you guys or yourself instilled in, in the boys this year. So I want you to kind of speak. I, I watched your reaction on the ice and it was pretty cool. But uh, to see the boys use something like that as uh, a little bit of fuel for the fire for the night ahead. Um, you know, it started, I guess it was mid-October. Uh, we had gone 500, one and one, one and one every weekend. It was just getting tiring. Uh, and, you know, as I said, the, the big thing I've always preached as a coach is, you know, the small details, be really good at them. Uh, so passing, angling, checking, uh, stopping on pucks, those types of things. Um, and so it was the middle of October, and I just said to our coaches, we have to now – I think we're getting better condition now. We got to really up the ante as far as how we're going to play, um, and we did. And there was a practice. I think it was a Tuesday, uh, and we went after the guys fairly hard. And it wasn't a bag skate; it was just accountability. If you're going to miss five passes in a drill, you're going to skate. If you're going to swing off a guy, you're going to skate. If you're going to do, you know, if you're not going to stop in front of the net, you guys are going to skate. And we didn't skate everybody; we just skated those one or two guys that weren't doing it. And we did that religiously every week, all the time. We didn't stop and. We had to do a lot of it in the first three or four weeks, uh, but then there was just periods of time I'd see things and I'd stop them and I did it yesterday. Um, and it just, it's reminders for guys. It's not punishment, I don't think. It's more reminders saying, you know what? You need to stop on the puck. You need to stop at the net. You need to make good passes all the time. Like at our level, your passing percentage should be 95, 97%, like especially the small, quick ones. Um, so yeah, like when they line up on the boards and one of the coaches is yelling at me, Howie, you got to get over here. And I'm like, what? And I looked and I just started laughing. Uh, but it was cool because, you know, I think they've recognized and respected that our details and our pace have allowed us to be as good as we've been. Uh, and they knew that was a big part of the change of how they were going to play. Um, 
I'm not sure how you as a coach or coaches feel about you know certain games or weekends but as an outsider watching the watching your team this year going to the Crow Child Classic it's always a huge hyped up event uh, UFC versus Mount Royal at the Dome usually it's always kind of sold out uh, a lot of hype there that I like for me I felt like that weekend you guys have an unbelievable third period um, specifically Stotzi's line uh, with Coles and Grish just dominated and then you do it again the next night like as an outsider I felt like that really propelled the team's confidence like we got something special here did you feel that and is is that something that you noticed throughout the year or was there a weekend that was like that yeah I think there was a couple of moments you know we we had a really tough start. Uh, we played Sask, BC, Mount Royal. That was our start. Uh, and we played all those teams in exhibition. So we, we didn't have an easy first eight weeks of the year. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, I kind of went at the guys a little bit. And then we played some teams. We knew if we played fast and hard, we could have some success. Uh, and, you know, I think we had at that point won eight or nine in a row. And then we went up to U of A. Or sorry, they came here. Uh, we beat U of A 4 nothing in our rink. And we held them to like 18 shots. And I think that was an eye-opener for our guys going, wow, like if we skate and check like he wants us and the coaches are asking us to do, we can have success. And we went up the next night, won 3-2, got up 3 nothing. They pushed late, but we held on. Uh, and then the next weekend we went to Sask uh, and won both games in overtime. And game one didn't look good. We were down 4-2 with six and a half minutes to go. And uh, I remember I said to Tedder, I said, okay, watch me at four. You're going to have to come. And then we scored next shift to go 4-3. And then Stotzi scored again to go 4-4. And then we won in overtime. You know, I think those two weekends kind of uh, kick-started the so-called streak, I think. And and also just led to lots of confidence for our guys. Uh, and then I was nervous because we had five weeks off of Christmas. And you don't know how guys are going to respond. And you're just nervous. And, uh, you know, and, and you guys were a big part of that. You know, they got on the bikes and got in the gym. And we skated. And we just tried to stay in as good a shape as we could. And. You know, you go to the Mount Royal weekend, you know, that was the first time I thought we were really nervous. Uh, and we had not talked about the streak of, you know, the wins in a row and what we were doing. And, you know, the weekend before in Regina, they had, uh, the team had tied the record at 17, the Canada West record. But now, now you're going to the Crochet Classic, sold out barn, the hype, you know, chance at first place, all the, and I think our guys knew, like the first place was right there. If we win that game, we're probably going to get first. Um, and the record, and we hadn't talked about the record, and that was the first time it was ever talked about because the media was all over it. And I talked to the guys after the game, and they said that was the first time they felt kind of the pressure of the streak. Uh, but then the next night, yeah, and then we finished that game great. The next night we go into uh, Mount Royal, went 4 nothing, uh, and kind of shut them down, didn't give them anything. And, um, you know, I think all there's been a few moments to give our team a lot of confidence, um, and, and those were a couple weekends: the U of A weekend, then the U of S, and I think the the Coach uh, Crochow Classic weekend kind of led our guys to believe, okay, we can we can finish first, and we can yeah. continue to look like the best team in, the, in Canada West. Um, something that something that I noticed there, Mark, is that uh, you know when we look at U of S, you're, you guys are down one one zero going into game two. Uh, even in that first game, Grish scored two, I believe, to, to tie yeah. the game. Um, there was there was a chance where Brad scores in in game two. They score back. They have the two on zero. Yeah. But there was never there was always this resilience 
that I found. Um, they, they found a way to win game two, crush it game three. U of A, even ga uh, game two, you guys are down four zip, you come back four four. Still losing overtime, but going into, going into the third period of game three, you're down one zip. I'm just curious, uh, how did the boys feel? Was there any message that was sent in the locker room? Um, but you come out third period, win two one, uh, secure secure the can west and the and the banner. Um, was there any specific message or um, what was the what was the feeling like in the locker room at that time? Yeah, you know, I think after game one of the SAS series, you know, because we lost for the first time in five months. I think that was the, you know, every day every game we go and we sing a song, guys are happy and. There was none of it. It was kind of like we're all, I wouldn't say in disbelief, we are kind of like in shock. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I, I go back to the confidence our guys have and the work that we've put in, uh, you know, and it didn't matter the game. Uh, and I think in the past, and I go back a number of years, there's been games where we've played teams, we've been up three, two or three goals and lose the games. Um, it didn't matter if we were up one, up two, down three this year. It just didn't matter because our guys, and I'm a big believer, when you put a ton of work in, you expect more. And I think our guys understood that is, you know, in, and it's funny, I asked Kinger, and he was on the Fichu game team, and I asked him before playoffs, I said, has anybody put in more work than the Calgary Diamonds? He's like, no. He goes, I talk to guys across the country. He goes, nobody puts in more than us. And I said, well, that should give you the confidence to move forward. And, um, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit in the U of A series, um, just accountability to one another and, and having guys really look at each other inside the locker room and I mean sincerely eye to eye look around and and just really understand who they're playing for and we all have families and you know the, the the coaches have kids and you know they have mom and dad and sisters and grandparents but I said you know those things are all really important but the most important people you need to really pull on right now and lean on are the guys in the locker room and I said you got 24 guys on your you know pushing your back and they have your back and I think that helped knowing that, you know, everybody's put in the work and everybody's going to help you push forward. And I don't know, there was no real Newt Rockney speech in the dressing room. And, you know, I'm always intense and fired up, but I don't know if there's anything, you know, specific I said or we did. It was just more, let's really believe in what we do uh, and just get back to playing fast. And, you know, anytime we said, let's get on our toes and get after the game, that's kind of when we played our best. Yeah, it sounds like there's kind of a belief in the way that yeah. you've done things all yeah. over the year that kind of pays itself off. Um, yeah. I just, I'm just wondering if you can, you, you talked about Kinger there a little bit. Um, what has he meant as, uh, to the team as a captain? Yeah, you know what, it, it's, you, you know, we came into the year not, not really knowing, and, and we had a hunch it was going to be Kinger, and, uh, but this is a really young group. Like, we had, uh, nobody's played your, their third year of Canada West other than uh, Zave and Scooby, that's it. Uh, everybody else, you know, they, they were here three years ago, but never played. Uh, so we don't have any really true third-year players. We have some second-year players, but we don't have any third years. So, you know, Kinger played in the American League. He's just a big, fun, hard-working, simple dude. Like he's, But he loves his boys. He loves the team. He's as competitive as anybody. He's tough. He's hard. Uh, he has an unbelievable presence in the locker room, but not in a bad way. Like he loves his teammates, and they love him. And he's got a big smile on his face every day. He's happy, but then guys know when it's you know push comes to shove, you watch him in a corner. It's no fun. Uh, you know he'll do everything to win, and he'll do everything to help you as a teammate be successful. I think that's the you know the 
qualities of a really good captain is he cares more about his teammates than he does himself and his teammates know it they don't he doesn't have to say hey follow me he just goes and does something and they're like well i can you do it i'm gonna do it and that's just that's a sign of a really good captain when guys just want to follow him through the trenches no matter what uh, <clears throat> so uh, heading to nationals you guys uh, the u sports is a little bit funny in that way where you win your league and then you get to go play in nationals and um you know, obviously, like, Rox and I were down in the room and you guys won. It's such an infectious uh, feeling that, like, winning. I, and we weren't even a play, players on the team. You could just, like, look around and see the, like, the pure joy and, and you know, the on the guys' faces and the coaches. The high is so high. Um, I got swept up in the high myself. <laughs> um, I'll never forget that night. And... You know that we chatted a few days after that and to kind of refocus on the national on nationals but how are you feeling how's the team feeling you know like you guys have had a few practices what's it like coming down from that huge high and and refocusing for uh another chance to make uh history really yeah and i was worried about that just um even myself like i remember i woke up monday uh after a couple hours sleep and you're still in awe. And I remember I read an email that somebody had sent me and I started crying again. Uh, you know, it's been 14 long years. It's been a lot of grinding. It's been a hard, hard go. Uh, and even before that in junior, I didn't win a championship. So it's been a lot of years before I got to lift a league championship trophy. So it was, on my side, it was huge. And I just, and I watched the joy in our locker room and on the ice. And that's good. Like you, you want guys to really cherish and uh, really soak in what they did. Uh, and day one of training camp, I had our guys turn around and look at the banner, and it said 1996. And I said, that's 27 years. I said, I've ran 14 of those. I'm embarrassed. Uh, it's time we have to change. And, you know, and we did it this year. But now to move on to nationals, we gave them two days off, Monday, Tuesday, to get their school in order, um, get their heads cleared, I think. And we had a good meeting with our leaders yesterday. Had a good practice. Uh, but it, then, you know, when they got on the ice, the whole team, I had them turn around again. And look at the banner. I said, "Okay, we got 2023." I said, "What's not up there?" And they lo and they said a national banner. I said, "This team's never even been in the national championship game, let alone to win a national championship banner." Uh, and I said, "We got to figure out what we want." And they said, "We want to do it." And I said, "Well, you know, now we got to get really focused on the moment." Um, and, you know, kind of. And I got it from our basketball coach, our men's basketball coach. They won in 2018, and they talked about as every moment matters and not looking beyond that moment um, because the national tournament is a one-game showdown. It's not three games. Yeah, to win, you got to play three, uh, but you have to win one, and then you got to win one, and then you got to win one. So it's different. You're going to play teams you don't know. There was a chance you could play U of A, but that'd be the only team we know. Um, so, you know, that's what our focus is now is to get the guys really dialed in on the moments uh, in practice. When we're doing that drill, that drill is it. When you're doing that sequence that day in, you know, in school, getting ready, your rest, all that stuff is really important. So, you know, I think it's going to take uh, a real, well, it's not I think, it's going to take an unbelievable amount of effort and focus and commitment over the next 9, 10 days to accomplish something that's never been done here. Um, but, you know, this group's a, a really unique group and a special group that, um, you know, I'm counting on them to deliver what they want. Jesus, you got me fired up yeah. there, Mark. I'm ready to, I'm ready to 
take a flight out there. It's it's such a cool uh, experience and opportunity for these players and yourself. Like like you said, it's never been done, and I think that's what's so cool about your team is that they're not phased. Yeah, they're excited, and they have, you got great leaders. You have guys that are completely bought into to this program and to each other. And um, we had Witt and Krebsy on last week, and you could just feel like the the family yeah. um, with that team and, and how much they do care about each other. So it would not surprise me one bit if you guys went and, and finished the job again and think about the memories that is for the rest of your life yeah. and how little people have experienced that. So yeah, we're we're can't wait to watch you guys and um, yeah, yeah. And just uh, speaking off that a little bit, I mean, uh, being an alumni and uh, the work that you've done with the Third Assist Club this past year, um, it's been a really special year in regards to that. And uh, being a part of the team still, I mean, I'm still here with the boys every day, which is great. But being able to go to the games and uh, experience what this means to not only the team but everyone involved uh with the dinos organization and it was so cool when you guys won uh myself and guys that i played with here uh we got to go down like alex alex was saying and celebrate with you guys a bit and, and kind of give you a big hug and you know appreciate everything that you've done for uh past players because to be honest the message hasn't really changed since you know i used to play or guys in 2009 so it's kind of cool that you stuck with it um and it's paid off i mean it's been 14 years but um, you know, kudos to you for bringing that to the Dinos and, you know, everyone who's played with you in the past. Yeah, I know, and I appreciate that, Rox. And, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I've tried to make sure uh, in the last uh, few days here to really recognize the people that have played here uh, for me from 09 to now uh, that aren't with us today that are, you know, maybe playing pro or doing other jobs. You know, everybody's had an impact in my life, in my coaching uh, experiences. Everybody's made me better. Um, you know, everybody's held me accountable. Everybody's, you know, and that's as a coach. If you can learn from everybody, um, you know, and, you know, for you, example, Rocks, like your effort and intensity and never quit attitude, like that's infectious. And, you know, I know players can do it. And so I see it in certain players like yourself. So that allows me to push another guy that maybe doesn't have that, that I can hopefully get it out of. And, you know, everybody's been a massive part of it. The third assist has been great. And, you know, they got the, so-called lounge going this year in the rink and it's been awesome like you just now more guys want to show up more guys want to be around uh all those things are important and i said that to the third assist i said you guys have helped push up uh the program just like bold has or i have or the players have or yeah, everybody involved has helped pushing as hard as we can and push it up and um you know and i think like like i said earlier is we've asked everybody to jump in feet first the third assist did you guys did the players have uh, I've asked more of our coaches this year, and the reality is you're not going to win if you don't really challenge yourself and have high expectations. And, um, you know, we're just – we're really thankful we've got so many great people involved with our program. And, um, like I said, we want to go back, and uh, we now want to finish the job. Is You know, we got Canada West done, and we want to come back and, and bring a national title. And, um, you know, if we can stay simple and fast and, and stay in the moment, I think we got a great chance. You think there's a parade downtown? <laughs> Let's just get there and win a, win a well, banner to, first. To speak on that, I've always I've told this story a few times, but I don't think so. And I'm going to tell you why. Because my very first year as a Dino, I remember uh, I already had a year of university experience, so I knew the whole 
uh, deal with going to talk to your professors and make sure they're aware that you might be missing exams or whatever it is just due to the travel schedule. I remember my very first day I went up to one of my profs and I said, hey, like I play on the hockey team. Uh, you know, I've looked at the syllabus. There's a few dates that, uh, you know, important dates that clash with our travel schedule. Um, do you know, is that going to be an issue? Do I need to get stuff proctored, blah, blah, blah. He looks at me and he goes, we have a hockey team. <laughs> and from that moment, I go, oh, man, what, nope, what's no going parade. on here? Yeah, so the parade, I hope so, but the profs won't be there, that's for sure. Well, maybe we and you can uh, organize one well, for the We'll, we'll sure get, you, we'll get, get in your backyard or something. I don't know. But even there, you know, you talk about all the people that are involved, even like our president now, and not that Elizabeth Cannon wasn't, but Ed McCauley is really – big time involved in athletics he you know he put a lot more money back in athletics and um all those things are important to know you got more and more people pushing or pulling on the rope or whatever you want to call it it helps and uh cedar point rocks maybe we'll have, i don't know if it'll be downtown but uh maybe we can get in the, the mac hall or something like that and go, gets yeah. people going yeah well i even think uh coming to those games i've never seen fdb that that filled yeah. um in a long time and just feeling that energy yeah um, people were buying in but I've got a question, you know, experiencing this success with the Dinos this year, um, setting kind of a standard of excellence, um, what, do you, what do you think is key in keeping that the standard moving forward with the program? Like you look at U of A, who's been, who's yeah. been at the top of the, yeah. the league uh, for many years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's moving forward, what do you have to do to, to maintain that standard? Uh, one is recruiting. Uh, we got to kill it recruiting wise, and it's interesting. You have a great year. You win twenty three in a row. You win league championship. More players want to talk to you, and not that they didn't in the past. And when I got here in '09, nobody wanted to talk to me. I would talk to a Western League player, junior player. They're like, "Well, uh, well, I, yeah, I don't know, maybe." Over time, more and more wanted to. Uh, in the last couple of years, more and more, and this year, I think everybody's excited to talk to us, um, which is good. Uh, there's that, uh, and I think just keeping our feet in and, and not kind of dipping our toe in and, um, you know, pushing the third assist to raise more money so we can spend more money on training, spend more money on scholarships, spend more money on uh, the right things that, you know, not just frivolous things, but really uh, core values that I believe in as far as conditioning and, and being prepared, spend more money on tutors, spend more money that helps our players be excellent in the classroom, excellent on the ice. Um, and just making sure we don't get complacent. Um, you know, and I guess the players might not want to hear it, but they have a coach that's not going to let them get complacent. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, I guess you see this year the recipe that's helped us be successful, and that is be in unbelievable shape, put in more work than everybody else, and play faster than everybody else for longer than everybody else. And if we can continu continue that model, I think you got a chance to continue to move forward. Uh, Mark, we've had some really good chats down in your office um, just about hockey in general and development of players and yeah. what you look for in players and what you think are important. Um, obviously, Merrick trains with us. Uh, he's been through the whole minor hockey system. Yeah, I believe you're like a acting as a coach mentor at the Northwest yeah. Association. Uh, for any young players or even parents listening to this, what like what do you think is are really important qualities that young players seem to miss um, at, when they're trying to make this jump, either to junior yeah. or the college level? Well, I think even just going through minor hockey, and you know, we have all these skills coaches now, and you know, kids are working on stick handling and shooting and toe drags and all the offensive stuff. Um, I, I think we've missed the boat uh, on a few things. One is 
the the skill and art of checking so angling and checking uh, I don't think we spend enough time on that and the most important skill that I just don't think coaches understand how to teach or the importance of teaching is work ethic and being competitive um, and that starts with being a great listener uh, that starts with p being very coachable and then from there you got a chance to be uh, you know have great work ethic and be very competitive and you know from day one I've done tons of minor hockey stuff I run my own stuff in the summer and from little kids all the way up to junior kids and the first time any kid gets on the ice with me that's the question I ask him I said what's the most important skill you're gonna learn skating shooting checking uh, not check skating shooting scoring I'm like none of that and they're like what and I even tell the parents that and they're like what do you mean and I said the most important thing they need to learn is be to be great listeners and we're gonna teach them how to work and I'm gonna hold these kids it doesn't matter if they're nine years old or 15 years old if they don't listen pay attention I hold them accountable uh, and I just think that's important. I think from our culture in the school systems now where teachers can't hold kids accountable to now coaches are afraid to do it. I think even parents are afraid to do it to their kids is hold people accountable to do the right things. And, and I think we've kind of got a culture right now that being okay and just being happy is, is fine. You're not going to be successful if that's what you want. Uh, you really got to learn how to grind and work and, and put time in and, and really focus on doing things well. Um, and that work ethic, work ethic and being competitive is, is the most important thing they need to learn. And uh, I think we're getting away from that because we're so worried about the skills, the so-called scoring offensive skills. And you look at the talent in the game, it's unbelievable that you see. But those kids have also had great work ethic instilled in them. So speaking uh, just a little bit more on that point again, but uh, you're someone who's constantly evaluating players. Um, so as a coach, when you're watching a junior game or – uh, you're watching a player that you're interested in recruiting, you know, at a certain level, most of the players are doing something the same, whether it's speed, checking, uh, being able to shoot. Uh, what do you look for specifically in players that really impresses you um, and the small t uh, details of the game? Uh, you know, obviously you want to see players that can handle the puck pass at a high level. Uh, but the other thing I look for is guys that don't quit. Guys that don't quit on a play, they don't quit on a puck. Um, guys that are talkative on the ice, that means they got, you know, to me, that you're a really good teammate and you, you have good enthusiasm in your game. Uh, we don't want guys here that are enthusiastic, that work hard, and that are prepared to compete. Um, you know, and you need players. And the other thing when I recruit, um, you know, I got to trust other coaches and GMs because I can only watch players once or twice. And now with Instat, you can watch them more. But some of the things I look for is players that want to win the puck. Uh, and not just waiting for somebody to go get the puck for them. Players that are prepared to go get it themselves and fight for it, uh, those are the guys I want. Well, it's, it's so, it, I feel like it's so much easier when the foundation and expectation of the program is, it, it is what it is. It's probably easier to recruit because you know exactly who you're looking for. Yeah. You might get a guy that's got, you know, 40 goals and, and he's probably, maybe he's just not the right player for you, but. It's funny because Rox and I were watching the uh, AAA Flames game the other night uh, against the Royals. Yeah. And there might have been 150 turnovers yeah. in the third period. Yeah. Um, it, it's like you want to you wanna pull those guys aside so bad and just yeah. tell them what you just said. Yeah. Just to simplify the game and, and, yeah. and not worry about toe-dragging the guy at the blue line. Yeah. Um, but with, with your son, Merrick... How hard has it been as a parent not to? What's that boundary of the, the balance of parent and coach? Yeah, him and I have had that conversation a little bit. Um, 
And we've just come to the conclusion that when we're at home, I'm dad. When I'm on the ice, I'm coach. Uh, and we had a, you know, I would say four or five years ago, we had a couple of moments where he'd look at me funny on the ice. I'm like, yeah, I just skated off. And he's like, well, and I said, <laughs> I'm your coach here. And it's no different from the Presley when I got on the ice with her and she's my daughter and she's maybe a little more, um, she'll look at me sideways. And uh, But it, when I'm on the ice with my kids or any kid, I'm the coach. Uh, when I'm at home, uh, I'm dad. I, I'm still holding them accountable as far as their school, being uh, respectful, having good manners, uh, being a good friend, those things. Um, you know, and I, we might talk about hockey in the sense, hey, you're getting enough rest or what are you doing? But um, we try not to, I've learned now or more so than I did in the past is just, you know, did they enjoy the game? What did they get out of the game? Uh, and if they ask me, I'll tell them. But I try to find that balance because you do need to be a dad too and not just a coach all the time. Yeah. Well, Merrick's probably terrified to ask you. That's <laughs> so you want to really hear the truth? <laughs> well, it's funny. They'll ask you, know, what do you think? How do you, what do you think? How do you think I played? I'm like, how, what do you think? Because, you know, they need to learn to self-analyze uh, themselves and self-assess. And yeah. they're like, well, I think I played hard. I'm like, no, what did you, what, like, as a defenseman, what did you need to do? And so we've tried to, with Presley and Merrick, is kind of break it down and help them understand how they need to evaluate their game every game and every period to go, am I doing these two or three things? Yeah. And if I'm not, then maybe what do I adjust? Uh, because that's the important thing as a player too. You gotta know what you're doing well and how to change. Well, I will just speaking on your kids, uh, you know, I, in my four years in the dinos, they were always extremely respectful to me. Every time I'd go up and say hi to my parents after the game, they were calling me by my nickname and I'd be like, who just said that? <laughs> but uh, no, great kids. And, you know, we love working with both uh, Merrick and Presley. And I've had my uh, fair share of moments with Nash too. So, uh, yeah, great kids. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, bit of a deep question here, Mark. But yeah, uh, when you look back on your career, what do you hope guys that have played with, with Mark Howell uh, will look back and say about the impact you had on them as a coach? Uh, I think just that is, is, you know, and when I recruit guys here, uh, and I'm sincere about it, I, I want them to leave here with a chance to have a great life. That's the most important thing for me is, you know, we want to win and winning. We did it the other night. It's unbelievable. I don't think we ever want to stop now. Uh, but I want when guys are 35 to look back and go, you know, the skills I learned here as far as team skills, work ethic, accountability, really focusing on my school and, and getting my life in order is going to help me have a great life and it's helped me have a great life and the network and family I have of Dino alumni, Dino buddies are going to have me have help me have a great life and you know that's what the alumni are trying to preach to guys that have maybe stepped away that we're trying to draw back in is is really recognize what the Dino program has done for you and, and how it's helped you become a better human being, helped you have success in your life, maybe helped you be successful with your marriage and I say that um, you know not jokingly like just how to be a good human being, how to be a good person. And, um, you know, I think those things always help. And, uh, you know, I think guys will probably say, oh, he's hard, he's firm, and, and that's great, that's fine. But I hopefully they, when they take a step back, they go, okay, he talked a lot about how do I need to act to be a good human being and the work ethic you learn in practice, the accountability you work in practice, uh, the, the team skills, all those things help you get a great job uh, because people want to hire those kind of people. They, they want people that are driven, that have high expectations of themselves, that know how to work in a group. That'll help you get a good job. And really, it, it's, it's funny, Mark, because a lot of the things that you 
you talk about in the values that you hold are similar to what we have in the gym here. It's yeah. We don't give a shit how much you can squat out there, but yeah. how do you show up? Yeah. How, how, what's your energy when you enter the gym? Uh, you know, we talk about Merrick being extremely respectful, but it's it's more about these the the values. At the end of the day, a lot of these kids aren't going to play hockey after no. they're 20 years old. But what what is the impact you've left with them on how to show up as a as a human being? Yeah. So speaking a lot of the a lot of the stuff that uh, you know we hope to to offer through training. You know, yeah. even though it's a uh, different. Um, what does Mark do for fun away from the arena? <laughs> uh, you know, I, here. Yeah. yeah, no, I, uh, well, I, I got married a year and a half ago. I met Carrie five years ago. Um, she's good. Like she, <laughs> she's like, is it hockey again? Is it, and I, you know, I still love watching the game and, you know, so I'll watch NHL games, but, uh, we love to golf. Um, she hates the weather in Calgary right now. She's like, she's from Kelowna and, She's wishing she'd get on the golf course. So her and I love to golf together. I love to golf with my buddies. Uh, you know, I love to work out. Um, try to do it every day. The last four or five weeks hasn't happened. Probably the last month and a half because I went to Fishu and then got back and got into playoffs. And so I haven't worked out as much as I'd like. Um, and then, you know, anytime I get to hang out with my kids, uh, you know, we'll go watch their games. Um, you know, driving to Musha is not glorious, but it's exciting to go and watch them and be around them and. Um, you know, and even, you know, to have my kids, uh, you know, uh, all of them here to when, for when we want is awesome. But, you know, uh, Carrie loves movies. Uh, so, you know, we go to movies lots. There's that new VIP theater over at the university district. It's awesome. There. It's yeah. awesome. It's unbelievable. Yeah, we're going tonight again. So it's, uh, we try to go once or twice a month. Um, so sh she's really big in making sure we go out on dates and dinners. And, and I like it too. And I get busy and I kind of, my mind goes somewhere else a lot of times. But, she always kind of pulls me back in and say, hey, it's time for a date or it's time for a movie. And um, and it's good because it just allows me to kind of just unwind and, and clear my mind a little bit. Quick uh, quick story on your on your wife. I've never met her until the night you guys won. I'm at the bar ordering a drink, and Rubes comes next to me, Sean Robertson, <laughs> unbelievable guy. He starts ordering, like, just listing off drinks. <laughs> six vodka, whatever. Six rum and Cokes. <laughs> and I'm just, like, going, I'm like, holy Christ, Rube. That's, like, a bit of an order. You know, what do you want? He's screaming at me. And then he finishes with, I'll get one rosé. And I'm like, Rube, you just order a rosé? And he's like, ah, it's Howie's wife. You know? <laughs> Just so, one, though. So I'm like, I gotta go meet Howie's oh, wife. Yeah. She had the rosé in, uh, yeah. in the in the bar, uh, but a classic order by Rubes there. Yeah. No. She uh, she's been great. It's you know she's uh, unbelievable woman. She's got two kids herself. Uh, one plays in the American League for the Ontario Reign. Her daughter uh, is uh, going to school at UBCO, and her values are high. Like. Uh, it's more about school and being a good human being uh, and not that she doesn't want uh, our kids to do well in sports, but she always comes back to, well, hockey's great, but what about them being a really good person? I said, no. And so uh, she keeps me grounded, keeps the kids grounded, and she's a great cook too. So nice. we have some wine and dinner at <laughs> home too. Um, you mentioned you like to work out. I'm really curious. What's uh, what's your go-to song or playlist when you're when <laughs> you're works out in dead silence? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, and I I'm not a big music guy as far as knowing music. Yeah. So I'll just grab some playlist. I'll go on Apple Music or whatever in the fitness app or, or link, and then I just find alternative or old time rock and roll. Okay. You know, if I'm in the mood, I might go. 
you know, some high beat country stuff, just if I'm not totally into it, just to kind of <laughs> wake me up a little bit. Cause I'll try to work out in the morning, uh, before everything gets going. So sometimes I got to wake up a little bit, but, um, yeah, I don't, um, I don't so much have my own playlist. I'll just default to what everybody else has <laughs> given me. Okay. So there, um, if, if you and Carrie are going to a concert and you can see anyone that you want to see, anyone that you want to see and see them in any uh, city that you want to see, who is yeah. it? Uh, well, I've been lucky enough to see Garth Brooks three times and he is, the energy he brings to a building is unbelievable. I don't know if you, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen Garth Brooks. Like, yeah. you know, that, that's his, his importance is to bring energy and have people have fun. Uh, and then, you know, I was lucky enough to see Kid Rock here uh, and then actually got to party with Kid Rock. So that was oh, awesome. Wow. Was, wow. It was after the concert underneath and I was, uh, I, I knew a couple of the Flames guys and they, they brought me down and we had a great time. But the one band I've never seen is U2. And, you know, uh, growing up in the 80s and 90s, U2 was major big time. And uh, so the, I've always told Carrie, I said, if I can go to one concert, that's the one I want to go to. Um, so I think Carrie, for her, she wants to, uh, she'd love to go see U2. If we could ever combine a U2 concert and F1 race, she's a big F1 wow. fan right now. Nice. If we could ever do that, well, I might need a different job that pays me millions of dollars <laughs> yeah. to do both, but if we could ever combine both, that'd be a pretty neat weekend. And oh, then maybe a golf game here or there. Okay, okay, I yeah. love it. Um, okay, so one thing that we do with, uh, you know, this is our third episode, but we, we generally finish off with a little rapid fire. Yeah. So uh, we have we have five to five day questions that we're going to ask you. First thing that comes to yeah. mind. All right. Favorite movie? Uh, Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Oh, yeah, that's no, a it's, great yeah, movie. it's classic. Oh, great movie. Yeah. What's your go-to cheat meal? Oof. Burger and fries. Okay. Who's the biggest prima donna on your current Dinos hockey team? <laughs> First name, go. <laughs> uh, prima donna. That's a tough Oh, jeez. I need to hear it. Uh, prima Donna. Um, Ernie, our trainer. Oh, <laughs> come on. Great answer. Oh. The boys just won a championship yeah. for us. I got to be respectful. Yeah. Uh, most underrated player you've ever coached? He might be sitting here. Oh. He oh. might be sitting here. Chris Rockman. He came in. With not a lot of really notability behind him, but he Flynn Flon. He uh, why was he never on the power play there? <laughs> he did. We had the blue unit. You know, we had the blue line. Blue line went out. They scored. Back pocket. Yeah. Whatever the power play wasn't working, they went out there. Blue line went out. Him and Stoney went yeah. out and got her done. That's yeah. unreal. Appreciate it. Needed that. Who's the best player you ever coached? Uh, Cody Curran. Wow. Not Schultz. Uh, well. Uh, yeah, okay, I thought you were, well, when you said, I, I thought he said Dinos. Um, He's unreal, too. Uh, I had a chance to coach Jordan Everly with uh, Can Winter Games. Uh, he was unbelievable. Um, it, you know, Justin Schultz is a young kid, uh, just unbelievable feat. But Cody Curran, just his skill set is, it, it's too bad he hasn't got to the NHL because he has really high-end skill. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your karaoke song. Uh, Fish in the Dark. Wow. That's okay. a classic. Well, I, I've feet. heard it lots. That, that was a song we played at my dad's funeral and uh, all-time favorite. Just wow. It's it's Love it's it. right wow. here all the time. So yeah, yeah, we might have to go for a little karaoke yeah. with you at some point. <laughs> Let's do it. 
Well, Mark, I really appreciate uh, you coming in here. Hold it's, on. Okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh. We got a story. I got to bring something up here. <laughs> and I think he knows where I'm going with this one. But I just want to hear the thought process behind this. Uh, some people don't know you have this, but Mark Howell has a <laughs> University of Alberta Golden Bears tattoo on his calf. So I want to hear the story of what the motivation was to get it. Uh, I know you've thought about getting it covered up before, but uh, I know that was the first thing you said to me down in the room was I can finally uh, you know, put to bed the U of A curse of the tattoo yeah, on, my, yeah. on my calf, but just kind of want to hear a little more about that. Uh, well, when we won in 92, there was, I don't know, 10 or 12 of us, I guess, uh, drunk one afternoon after we won nationals and we were in Edmonton, we all went and got it done. And, um, you know, and then ironically, I take the job here in 09 and didn't really think about it. Then I was at a golf tournament, a charity golf tournament, and there's a bunch of alumni looking at my leg and I'm like, ah, oh God, tough. here we go. Yeah. Uh, and they were all over me and it was actually Carrie, my wife. She's like, we got to get rid of that. Like, <laughs> you can't beat those guys. We need to get rid of it. And I said, well, I beat them in the regular season. She goes, that doesn't matter. Yeah, you got to awesome. beat them when it counts. And uh, so this weekend we, we probably exacted some of those, yeah. uh, <laughs> those curses and, and yeah, we can leave it. And I, I did sincerely think about how am I going to do this? Cause the Donovans mean so much to me. Uh, you know, it's a major part of my life. And um, but somebody said to me, they said, "Well, all those things are important. You won nationals with U of A, you've won world junior, you've won some things. Those don't things all go away. Uh, they're part of your experiences." And um, yeah. you know, but <laughs> it's 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 been uh, it's been talked about many many years for I sure. I believe it. Well, yeah, you got to run to practice here probably. Um, thanks for joining us. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure being a part of the team and. And being a part of the the season with you guys, you and your coaching staff did an unbelievable job. I think all the players would say the same thing. And uh, yeah, really appreciate you swinging by. Yeah, no, I appreciate having you, having me here. And uh, the players have been awesome all year. They've been they've bought in right from day one. You know, it, it goes credit to them. Yeah, we've given them a little bit of direction, but they're the ones that really stepped up and did it. And uh, really thankful that we got you guys involved and everybody we do. It's been it's been a blast so far. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. So back to the conversation about spring training. We want to give you guys some insight into into what we think about and hopefully provide some value uh, for young players that are, are looking to make this offseason a, a big step in their in their journey uh, within hockey. And oh, hopefully this is just a good open discussion. Uh, we've got Rox and, and Danny that will chime in. I wanted to just start the few points here, boys, and and kind of see where we uh, where you guys um, go from it. But for me, when I think about the spring, uh, you you just finished your season. Some players are just going through playoffs right now. Some guys and girls had a great season. Some people hated their coach and can't wait to quit or not quit, but uh, be done with their season. I personally think it's got to start with a little bit of self reflection. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, that's a great way to start. I mean, no matter how you look at it, if you win a championship or you have a disappointing year, there's a lot of emotions after a season. Um, you know, you've been with the same group of guys and girls for you know the whole season, almost every day, um, and then all of a sudden it just comes to an end. So you gotta kind of take the time to think about what you enjoyed about the season, what you did well, where you need to improve, um, and kind of start setting a plan for the off season and, and you know how you're gonna attack that. Yeah, I think the 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 thing for me that you know, reflecting back on my playing days is, is I actually never did that, and I never had 
not sure about you guys, but I never, other than my dad, um, sit me down at the kitchen table, but I never really had somebody uh, in my hockey world, coaches, mentor, teammate, that sat me down and actually walked me through a a self-reflection process. And, um, you know, like I I think back to our first episode with Matthew Phillips and he kind of touched on it, but just spending five minutes to sit down and, and write down where what areas of your game you really thought you did well in, areas that you consistently struggled with, whether that might be pressure situations you felt like you didn't do well, uh, that could be like situations on the power play you, you didn't execute on. Think about all the two-on-ones that didn't turn into scoring chances or, or goals that you had, all the backdoor tap-ins you missed. Those are things that I think about. Um, you know, once you once you finish with that self reflection, then it brings in self awareness, right? And being honest with yourself and in areas where you do need to get better if you're going to make the jump to the next level or make the jump to be the player you think you can be. And that's hard. I think that's super hard for for young players. Um, I know it was hard for me at times during my career. Um, thirdly start with the why before you get into a program like ours or somebody else's what is what is the why behind what you're doing truthfully and i i have here like what makes you happy as a person and what makes you energized within your sport and i think about again back to my playing days and my buddies the kids that we train i feel like a lot of times it's just pure robot mode season ends parents and or you put yourself into a program and you just start going but why are you doing it and does it align with who you are as a person because if it doesn't i'll let you guys finish it what happens yeah i think that's a really uh good way to look at it i mean for myself as a player as well it's like uh, when the season was over, I like to take, you know, uh, God knows how long, six months to two, or sorry, six, six weeks to two months there. <laughs> six months. Dude, like the whole off season <laughs> off here, yeah. No, six weeks to two months and just kind of put the skates down for a bit. Uh, or if I was doing any hockey-related stuff, it was just for fun. Uh, taking the game a little less seriously than I needed to be, whether that's playing other sports, uh, focusing on my body a little bit more, uh, dialing in some things that I thought, after my self-reflection I needed work on but uh, I think that's a that's a big piece to it because it, it makes you look in the mirror and and continue to get better from year to year uh, and ultimately another piece to that is uh, we're going through right now a few few of our players have decided to hang up their skates uh, and I want to say like I think that's a very mature decision sometimes if it's not for you and you know this just isn't something that you love doing anymore I think that's that's awesome to see that um, you know you have the self-awareness to not just keep doing it because you don't know anything else Um, a big piece of our our program not just the spring program is you know building people not just athletes so you know we try and support everyone that's came through our door whether it's you know in our programs continuing with hockey uh, or jobs or references or whatever you need from us we want to make sure that you know, we're supporting you with your decisions. And sometimes right after the season, kind of in this six-week mark before May hits, 
uh, a lot of those tough decisions are happening. So it's kind of cool to sit down and, and think about what you really want for yourself because sometimes it's not hockey, and I think that's uh, it's our decision to make for sure. Yeah, and uh, um, if it is hockey, you know, I, I think it's important, and some of the best guys that we've that I've trained, and I'm sure yourself, Rox, um, they come to us with a plan. And it's so refreshing when you talk to a kid um, when they already have a little bit of control on their own development and what they want to work on. Because we meet with all these, we meet with, with everyone one-on-one, usually before the the training starts. And, you, you know, you ask the, the standard questions and we have a questionnaire that we send out. You know, 75% of those answers are the standard, I want to get bigger, faster, stronger. And the the ones that stand out are the, the answers that are super detailed into the very specific things of their game or body they want to work on. And uh, I think that I think that's a really important piece is take control of your own development. We're here to obviously guide you, give you tools, support you, hold you accountable, all the above. But ultimately, the guys or girls that really succeed are the ones that have that inner confidence, inner drive. They know what they need to accomplish, and we're essentially uh, holding them to that. Um, you guys got any points there? Well, I think it's important, Alex, uh, when you when you say some of these athletes come with a, a really detailed plan of, of what they want to be doing in the spring, there's also a lot of athletes that don't have the self-awareness or, or skills to understand how to make that plan. And I think um, as trainers and, and as coaches, it's really important that we ask them the right questions because everything that you guys are saying to me right now is that the spring is a chance for a fresh start. It's a chance to put behind some of the things that um, maybe maybe bothered you about last season. You didn't get along with the coach. You weren't loving the game. It's certain things that we uh, we go through all the times through our, our playing careers. Um, but a chance to, to sit back and have us ask you the right questions so that you can do a little bit of reflection and understand there's a term we use, but becoming new, shedding that old skin. Don't allow what happened in the previous year to affect the player that you're going to become. And so I think it's really important and using us and, uh, and coaches to ask these questions to make you to, to change your mindset and affect your mindset so that you're starting to look at the spring as a chance to be that person that you want to be, to be that player that you want to be, um, and start to influence the game. Maybe you didn't have it. Maybe it didn't work out that that way in the, the previous year, but that's okay. It's a brand new start. It's a, it's a chance to, to revive that. So I think the spring program is a really good opportunity to change the mindset, to reframe the perspective, and help guide these people that don't have the skills to come with that, that really good plan to, to understand the player that they want to be after, after six months of hard work working towards an offseason. Yeah, that's a really good perspective. Um, and I guess I'll throw this over to you, Rox, but when a, when a player comes to us after a season, you know, what, you know, for you, what do you, where does your uh, mind go in, in terms of like the, you know, strength and conditioning side, you know, assessing a player. Um, Cause usually they, they're just coming and 
you know, they're, they might be banged up or maybe they're not, but yeah. what's your process? Yeah, I, and I think the it's important for me as a strength coach to understand that uh, every person that walks through the door is going to have different needs. So I think, well, I know we've done a really good job in past programs of, you know, putting together a good uh, a good program for these kids, whether it's young kids, uh, kids in, in midget hockey, kids in junior hockey, um, we make sure that uh, our program is set up to to give them the most success in the short six weeks that we have them. So for me, uh, when someone walks through the door, I want to make sure that I give them a really good assessment. So that's not just sitting down and doing a bunch of mindless tests. That's making sure that I have a conversation with them. Hey, how'd the season go? How's the body? You got any injuries? You know, what do you want to focus on these next six weeks? It's, it's not just a, a one-size-fits-all type of program here. Um, so for me, it's a good uh, good assessment and uh, having a good conversation about where they want to head. Um, and to me, why the, the, the transition phase is so important is because I think it's very underutilized and people don't take the time to really understand uh, what the spring pro or the spring season can offer. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, for example, you might have three different uh, makeups of athletes come in. Let's say you have someone who's hasn't really been hindered with injuries. Uh, they're fairly skinny. They've always had issues putting on weight uh, or muscle. That's always been something that they've been told as an athlete. You have another person that walks in. They've had, you know, two shoulder separations. Their 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 hips are all screwed up. Their ankle is they spra- they just sprained it in playoffs. It's like, well, to me, those two people need very different uh, programs. Uh, and then you got the third person. Uh, this is mainly more for our midget and junior players, but people who are going out to spring camps. They want to keep moving. They don't want to just sit at home and wait for their pro uh, for their camps to start. So, for us, it's really understanding who's walking through our door. Um, and the direction we need to go to set them up, you know, for the best possible scenario for the off-season program. And to me, you know, player one, they need to add a little bit more muscle and weight. Well, we're going to give you a program that's going to target that. Number two, person who's all banged up, well, let's start attacking some of those things. Because essentially, if we don't do this in the spring, you show up in the off-season and now we have to, I don't want to say waste time, but we now don't have an opportunity to start getting after it in May like we would um, if you took the time in the spring program to do that. Just to clarify there, Rox, to make sure that, that we understand your point, but it, it sounds like the spring the spring program in the six weeks before the off-season is really just to set the foundation. But how you get to that foundation, the spring program is a really good chance for you to individualize to ensure that people um, do what they need personally to set the foundation that's right for them. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's... Again, just speaking about how unique the transition phase is, is myself as a coach, I get a lot of, you know, I get a lot of line in regards to how I can go with program. I can I can try new things. I can see what works, and ultimately, I want to make sure that the results that the athletes are getting are the best possible for their scenario. So I think the the transition phase is a really really unique uh, time in the year, and if you utilize it properly, you're going to have a great uh, great off season as well. I find too that. <clears throat> A lot of the <clears throat> a lot of the players that come to us in the spring, they're not playing junior or they're not playing college or pro. Those guys are, or girls are still playing. And so you get people that are very new to the gym setting. And what happens a lot in the off season training for for younger players is to your point, we end up spending a lot of time teaching. Um, how things should be done, how to move properly, 
um, or addressing major range, range of motion issues. And so it's a great time to, to practice training properly. You know, I, f- I find that when someone moves very well, they're experienced in a gym setting. Um, when you get to the off-season program, you can move so much faster with that person and results uh, become way easier to get. So as a, from a coach perspective, if you have an extra six weeks to spend with someone one-on-one and really teach them the standard, I guess, that we train at, the off season becomes a lot of fun because you can you can get a lot of results fast, and so like your to your to your point, rocks on being underutilized. I also want to point out <clears throat> it's a time to not play hockey as much. All you do is play hockey, you know. From especially in today's day, ever since COVID, it's like you know there's like people are doing so many different programs on the ice you're hearing so many different messages um it's i think it's hard for players to really absorb actual knowledge or information that they can use and get better at i again i don't want to like always use myself as an example but i felt like my friend group growing up playing we we actually like couldn't wait to play other sports whether it was playing basketball, uh, baseball, soccer, uh, like I think that is so important to just get out of the hockey player mindset um, and not become this 12 month a year hockey player on the ice. Yeah. No, and that's one thing uh, looking back at my uh, at my development as a as a hockey player, it's like if you've ever seen me dribble a basketball, it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> ugly. So uh yeah that's an awesome point and i think rounding yourself out as a as just a uh, a general athlete that can play a bunch of different sports i think is going to help you in your your primary sport that you're that you're dealing with so uh, i kind of want to you know what's funny but <laughs> yeah what? for the for the athletes that are in our gym all the time one of the most common things we say is be an athlete <laughs> and they're just looking at us like i'm trying <laughs> it's like oh my god yeah. Can you not jump off of two feet? Yeah. Catch a ball. Catch, Catch a, a ball, ball. Throw a ball. For crying out it's loud. unbelievable. Just, just walk normal, you know? Like, God. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Anyway, um, be an athlete. Yeah, be an athlete. Take that. Um, so I just want to I, I get Danny involved here a little bit more. But, uh, again, like we want to make sure that the, uh, the message of our spring program is translating uh, both on ice and off ice. So we do have our uh, on ice sessions as well. Um, just speaking to Alex's point, like it's a little bit different because it's not going out and doing the same, you know, sessions that you're typically going to be doing in a, in an in-season format or in an off-season format uh, to speak as well. So I just want to hear from you, Danny, on, uh, you know, what we can expect with our spring program and what the goal of that is. Uh, Well, honestly, I think the biggest thing, I think you guys have basically covered it all. Um, But I think the reality is we have six weeks, uh, we're going to have Corey McNabb, who's uh, he's a weapon on the ice as well. Um, but like you guys said, it's an opportunity to slow things down for the next six weeks, really address what individuals need. And knowing that it's not going to be a session where we just go out and go have fun and run drills just because it's going to be addressing indivi- individual needs and having some action based on that and some development that will occur because of it. Um, 
So from my standpoint, it's going to be really neat. Even some of the conversations that we've had about how athletes move in the gym and maybe some movement deficiencies that they might see and how we can attack that on the skating side as well as the skill side and kind of everything in between. So it's, um, what did we call it early? It's bridging the gap. Bridging the gap. Bridging the gap. Somebody give them something. Yeah. Yeah. I think looking yeah. at him like he's got four heads. No, yeah, I think that's, that's the best way to put it is uh, – Again, we'll keep it kind of secret and a little bit, uh, yeah. je ne sais quoi, but I think it, it really does bridge in the gap between what we do here in the gym and how it's going to show up for you guys on the ice. Yeah, really good insight there, Danny, especially on the ice. Um, I, I, to wrap it all up, I, I feel like if there's one piece of value that players can take from this conversation is take the time to sit down and do some self-reflection on the year you just had. You know, where can you get better? Um, what things can you do that will create a, a more, I guess, <clears throat> profitable off-season program? Um, how do you need to get your body in a position to get the most out of uh, May till August? And <clears throat> ultimately, don't use the time to just play Xbox for six hours a day. and <laughs> Bury Twizzlers. Crush Twizzlers. <laughs> um, <clears throat> use it to be productive and... And whether it's with us or with somebody else, the the transition season from your your uh, team season to the off season is such a important piece to the to the calendar year. And I think if you if you have a really good plan going into it, you're going to probably have your best off season. Um, so, any closing points from you guys? Let's Crickets. Wow, nice. Let's have some fun. All right, beauty. Uh, I want to thank Mark Howell for joining us on the podcast. Um, so much good information there and, and a lot of things to take away. If there's any questions on uh, the transition into the spring program or if there's any support you guys need from us, make sure you reach out. We're happy to help. On the next episode, we're looking to get uh, a bold alumni and one of, the, one of the best guys that's ever been part of this program, Tanner Olstead, and potentially Caleb Apperson. From here, we'll pass it on to Rox from a message for our sponsor, Zevia. Uh, big sponsor today, uh, something that's filled uh, to the brim in our mini fridge daily, uh, Zevia Soda, sweetened with stevia, uh, lots of different flavors. I kind of want to quickly go around the horn Yeah, here. let's do it. Uh, give me your best, you know, your favorite flavor. You're, you're reaching into the fridge, every flavor's on tap there. What are you reaching for? Well, you and I are very passionate about Zevia. I'm not sure Simon's even had one. I could give you my top five if I, you want. Yeah, let's quickly. do top five. Creamy root beer. Yeah, number one, yeah. not even a question. This one's a little bit controversial, but black cherry. Wow. Uh, then I'm going root beer. Then I'm going cream soda. Then I'm going cola. Cola on a on a warm day with some pizza, pizza yeah. or whatever. Yeah, a bunch of ice. Wow. Cola. Okay, I like that. Uh, I'm also creamy root beer up top on number one. I'm going to follow it with grape. Oh! It's unbelievable. That's number two. Number three, just original root beer. Number four is going to be ginger ale. And number five is going to be cream soda. Wow. It's a great sponsor. Yeah. Uh, happy to have them on board. Hopefully yep. they're listening to this and we can actually get some Zevia. That would be unbelievable. Because I drink about 17 of them uh, a week. I'm Zevia poor. But... Uh, Unbelievable sponsor. If you haven't tried one, uh, go to your local grocery store, uh, pick up a case. 
uh, and let us know how uh, what your favorite flavors are your top five. See you next week. Thanks for joining. I have in